RT8K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Robert Kemp. The headlines, mainland telecom giant Huawei sues the US government. Liberal Party leader calls on the government to exclude economic crimes from its plan to change extradition laws. And a minibus driver is given a suspended sentence to knocking over and killing an elderly woman. Chinese telecom giant Huawei says it's suing the United States for barring government agencies from buying the telecom company's equipment and services. Speaking at a news conference in Shenzhen, rotating chairman Guo Peng said the U.S. Congress had repeatedly failed to produce evidence to support its restrictions on Huawei products, and the company was taking legal action as a last resort. The U.S. government has long branded Huawei as threat. It has hacked our servers and stolen our emails and source code. Despite this, the U.S. government has never provided any evidence supporting the accusation that Huawei poses a cybersecurity threat. The chief financial officer of the Chinese tech firm Huawei, Meng Wanzhou, has appeared in a Canadian court where she's faced an extradition hearing. She's wanted in the United States for misleading American banks. Ms Meng's detention has sparked a diplomatic spat between Canada and China. A former top aide of the Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, has denied accusations that he put pressure on the former Justice Minister to shield a corporate giant from a bribery trial. Gerald Butts told lawmakers he had only one short conversation with the then Justice Minister, Jody Wilson-Raybould, who's since resigned, about helping the construction company SNC-Lavalin Group. It's the BBC's Nada Torfik. The political aide and close confidant of Trudeau's countered allegations from the former Attorney General Jody Wilson-Raybould that his office exerted political pressure and used veiled threats to try to shield the engineering firm SNC-Lavalin from prosecution. Mr. Butts said he was convinced that nothing happened beyond the normal operations of government. Justin Trudeau thought he could contain this political crisis, but he greatly misjudged how the scandal would undermine the careful image he crafted, which was built on promises to bring about a new era of transparent and honest government. Liberal Party leader Felix Chung has called on the government to exclude economic crimes from its plan to change extradition laws. The government is proposing a mechanism to make it easier to extradite fugitives from the jurisdictions that it had no restriction agreement with, such as Taiwan and the mainland. Mr Chung says the business sector is concerned because commercial laws vary widely between jurisdictions and some businessmen could breach laws in other areas without realising it. The whole bill is going to cover 46 different areas, which including all the commercial side and which can be cover a, wide, a very wide range of what, what they call crimes. So which the business sector, a very uncomfortable uh, feelings, especially this is so wide that even if we fall into some crimes that we didn't know, that might be affect the business environment totally. Mr Chung's comments come after the American Chamber of Commerce made a submission to the Security Bureau expressing serious reservations about the proposal because it expanded the possibility of arrest and rendition to the mainland, which it said had a flawed criminal process. Meanwhile, pro-government lawmaker Ma Fung Kwok has hit out some opposition figures for holding talks about rendition arrangements with Taiwan authorities. Three pro-democracy lawmakers and former legislator Nathan Law currently in Taipei. Mr Ma said they shouldn't have taken the matter to Taiwan. This has nothing to do with the Taiwanese government. This is entirely our own matter. 
as an SAR matter. Why go to Taiwan? It's ridiculous, right?、Uh, because、uh, we are now considered. Whether we are、uh, supporting that request from the Taiwan side, how to deal with it is entirely our matter, right? So I think they have done the totally wrong move. A minibus driver has avoided jail over a fatal traffic accident in Samsai Po, in which an elderly cardboard collector died. The district court judge handed down a suspended sentence after taking into account the driver's family situation. Joanne Wong reports. Lodge Hikang received a two-month jail term, suspended for a year for careless driving. The 67-year-old was at the wheel of a minibus which ran over a 72-year-old cardboard collector near the junction of Fukua Street and Yanchao Street in Shamshaipo in November 2017. The elderly woman died of her injuries in hospital. Law was earlier acquitted of dangerous driving causing death after the court considered that he might have missed the victim because of her body size and the way she crossed the road. The accident was caught on CCTV cameras. Judge Douglas Yao described the footage as shocking and said he needed to stay calm and fair when passing down his sentence. The judge pointed out that Law did not pay enough attention and his carelessness was quite serious. But he also noted that Law was troubled by the incident and took into account. His health and family situation. Law is suffering from an inflammatory disease that causes rashes on his face and chest, and the judge pointed out that the condition could be linked to stress from the case. The defendant and his wife also had to help take care of two young grandchildren, one of whom is diagnosed with cerebral palsy. Judge Yao said Law may not be able to pick himself up if he's jailed, and that his family may also be heavily burdened. After handing down the suspended sentence, the judge urged Law to take. Take good care of himself and the people around him. Researchers at Chinese University have found that a drug used to treat depression can effectively improve the condition of patients suffering from a common digestive problem that mainly affects women. In a three-month study, 55 patients suffering from function dyspepsia were given low doses of antidepressant named imipramine. More than 60% of them reported their symptoms, such as pain in the upper abdomen, were relieved. Professor Justin Wu led the study. But we found that these、uh, medications have multiple targets of action in the body. Apart from regulation of the mood, imipramine has also been shown to regulate the pain perception of the body, and it also affects a few neurotransmitters inside the body, which have been involved in regulation of mood and also pain. So that's why, although we use a very low dose、uh, of this、uh, antidepressant,、uh, it also helps. Are significantly to bring down the dyspeptic symptoms. Health Services Legislator Joseph Lee says he's very encouraged by negotiations between the hospital authority and public hospital support staff. Staff cancelled the protest today after the authority offered an eight percent pay rise. Staff had demanded twelve percent. Here's Mr. Lee. The adjustment of these、um, supporting grade staff salary pay scale and pay point has been discussed for quite a while, for、uh, at least two or three years. And unfortunately, the hospital authority is rather reluctant to enact this、uh, pay point adjustment. And with the、um, negotiation from the、uh, trade unions of the supporting grade, I think the hospital authority、uh, seems to back down and also to、uh, take into consideration the importance of retaining the staff. The chairman of the Elderly Commission and Executive Councillor Lam Ching Choi has clarified that neither the Commission nor the government have discussed hiring foreign domestic helpers as carers in subsidised elderly homes. The plan was reported in a local Chinese paper yesterday, quoting government sources. The Secretary of the Community Care and Nursing Home Workers General Union says he believes the government may be testing the idea. 
But Cheng Ching Fan said the skills of elderly carers were very different from those required by domestic helpers. A group has urged the government to tighten screening procedures for non-refoulement claimants seeking asylum in Hong Kong, saying they should immediately be sent back to their home countries if they twice miss a scheduled meeting with immigration officials. Around 30 people from the group No Fake Refugees held a protest outside government headquarters in Tamar. They claim the vast, vast majority of asylum seekers here do not, are not really refugees. <coughs> Excuse me. The group's convener, Dominic Lee, says the government hasn't been able to process around 250 non-refoulement claims. Up to January, it's been reported that over 250 cases of asylum seekers were in a situation where uh, the security bureau were not able to locate them. So they were either uh, gone or uh, absconded or uh, deliberately avoided uh, the the meetings with the security bureau. So because of that, uh, we're here today to protest and ask the security bureau to remove the uh, asylum seekers' uh, status as well as if they were being caught, we ask the security bureau to take them back to their home country. The streaming service Netflix has announced it's acquired the film rights to the magic realism novel, 100 Years of Solitude by the Colombian Nobel laureate Gabriel Garcia Marquez. The project will be the first time the saga has been adopted for the screen. More than 50 years after it was first published, Garcia Marquez's masterpiece will be screened by Netflix. The author's son, Rodrigo, said his father had been reluctant to sell the rights because he believed that producing it in a language other than Spanish would not do it justice. But Netflix has agreed to film it in Spanish, with subtitles and in Colombia. It didn't reveal how much it had paid for the rights. 100 Years of Solitude was published in 1967 and centres on the lives of seven generations of the Buendia family in a fictional Colombian town, Macondo. The American singer R. Kelly is back in custody after a court hearing in Chicago on unpaid child support. The Cook County Sheriff's Office said the singer would be detained until he paid more than US dollars that he owed. Singer was charged last month with sexual abuse, but he has been released on bail. U.S. trade deficit with the rest of the world increased last year to its highest level for a decade, and the imbalance with three key markets, China, the European Union and Mexico, reached record levels, is the BBC's Samira Hussein. Mr. Trump has promised to shrink America's trade deficit, but these latest figures show the U.S. trade gap has ballooned to its widest since 2008, when the global financial crisis hit and the U.S. fell into recession. While the strong U.S. economy allows Americans to buy more goods from abroad, the strong U.S. dollar has made American products more expensive for other countries to purchase. Business news and finance and the Hang Seng Index is at 28,853. That's 183 points down on the previous close. The U.S. dollar is trading at 111.68 yen. The euro stands at 1 U.S. dollar and 13 cents. And the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 34 cents. Sport now, and here's Adam Chern. It was a dramatic night in the European Champions League as both last 16 ties were decided by a late penalty from the video assistant referee. We start in Paris where Manchester United stunned Paris Saint-Germain 3-1. It finished 3-3 on aggregate. 
United went through on the away goals rule. They were awarded a penalty in stoppage time after a VAR review for handball. Marcus Rashford scored from the spot. Romelu Lukaku had the other goals for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's team. The BBC's John Murray describes the scenes at the final whistle. United. They are the first team in the history of the Champions League and the European Cup to lose by two goals at home in the first leg and still go through the tie. That is history for Manchester United in this great competition. In the other Champions League tie, Porto left it late to secure their progression to the last eight. They beat Roma 3-1 in Portugal. The decisive goal came from Alex Telles, who converted from the penalty spot in the second half of extra time. That after Alessandro Florenzi had been penalized after a video review for pulling back Fernando, Porto went through 4-3 on aggregate. Hong Kong's top race car driver, Daryl O. Young, says the speed of electric racing will be a new challenge for him. The Canadian-born driver is set to race in Hong Kong for the first time when he takes part in the Jaguar I-Pace e-Trophy, the supporting series at this weekend's Hong Kong e-Prix. Oh Young will get his hands on the e-car for the first time after 15 years in professional racing. What I've seen from electric cars is that the acceleration, and this is really the Formula E car as well, the immediate acceleration is very, very quick. So this is something that uh, I found very unique. And they've actually yeah, modified the, the I-Pace a lot to, to be a full race car. So that's something that I haven't experienced yet. It's going to be a new challenge because I've never driven this car and go straight to the race. And um, that's going to be a big challenge for me. But speaking to my engineers, there's a lot to learn and that's going to be my focus um, right from the beginning is really starting to understand this car. Jerome D'Ambrosio of Mahindra tops the Formula E championship standings ahead of the Hong Kong E-Prix. The Belgian driver has a seven-point edge over Antonio Felix da Costa of BMW. And that's your look at sports. And to end the news, the top stories once again. Mainland telecom giant Huawei sues the U.S. government. Liberal Party leader calls on the government to exclude economic crimes from its plan to change extradition laws. And a minibus driver is given a suspended sentence after knocking over and killing an elderly woman. And that's the news from RTHK.